Hello, my friends, and welcome to an episode of The Informed Catholic. This is going to be episode 80. It's going to be a little different. Um, I have an article here from NPR. Uh, this is an article on religion, would you believe it, from NPR. Uh, September 17th, 2022. And it's by uh, Michelle Levette. And... Um, was it Michael Levette? <laughs> anyway, here's a three-minute little uh, review here. Since its founding, the United States has been a majority Christian nation. And while it's still the dominant religion, the country's Christian majority has been shrinking for decades. Now, a new study from Pew Research Center shows that as of 2020, the number of Americans who identify as Christian is about 64 percent. Fifty years ago, that number was 90 percent. And if that trend continues, Pew predicts that Christians could become a minority in just a few decades. Stephanie Kramer led the study for Pew Research Center. She's a senior researcher specializing in religion, and she joins us now. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. First off, what's happening here? Is this more about American Christians switching to another religious identity, or are they becoming non-religious altogether? They're becoming unaffiliated. Um, so they're identifying as either atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular, but they're not all non-believers. Most of them do identify as nothing in particular, and most do believe in some kind of higher power or spiritual force. That's where the majority of the movement is going. We don't see a lot of people leaving Christianity for a non-Christian religion. Are you noticing any trends um, in terms of age or demographics? Who's leaving Christianity? People who are raised Christian and later disaffiliate are a little more likely to be men than women. Um, younger people are more likely to have disaffiliated than older people. People who live in the western region of the U.S. are more likely to have disaffiliated than people who live in the south. I want to play some tape from a woman we talked to. Her name is Eliza Campbell, and she left the Latter-day Saints Church, which is included in this survey among broader Christianity Here's what Eliza Campbell had to say about why she left her church. And for me, especially when I started to come out as queer, it became impossible for me to reconcile this church that basically was admitting that it wanted me and other queer children dead. It just, I sort of realized that I had to, you know, choose myself ultimately and choose my well-being. Is this common? People leaving Christianity because they disagree with specific teachings? Yes, Pew has asked people in an open-ended way why they left their religion, and it is common for people to say that they just don't really believe the things that the religion teaches. Your study also found that it's likely that by 2070, Americans who don't belong to any religion will be the majority. Can you tell us more about those findings and the different scenarios that might lead to that outcome? Sure. If recent trends in switching hold, we project that Christians could make up between 35 and 46 percent of the U.S. population in 2070. Even if all religious switching had permanently ended in 2020, Christians would still be projected to decline by about 10 percentage points. Um, under these scenarios, the unaffiliated would grow to make up between 34 and 52 percent of the population in 2070. Are other religions also losing members? Other religions are projected to grow, mostly due to migration under all of our scenarios. Why is it important to measure this? And what do you see as the significance of this data? The 
U.S. used to be such a heavily Christian country, you know, before about the mid-90s, you could almost take it for granted that anyone you met on the street was Christian. I think a lot of people are wondering, where is Christianity headed and where are the unaffiliated headed? And this study speaks to that when it comes to current trends. If recent trends continued, what would the future religious landscape look like? Stephanie Kramer is a senior researcher specializing in religion at the Pew Center. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. All right. So here's, uh, let's start with the uh, article here. Eliza Campbell, which is, you heard her, the young lady who was a, um, a member of the latter the Church of Latter-day Saints. She's Mormon. They don't they don't use the name Mormon for some reason, but they they like to refer to it as the Church of Latter-day Saints and technically they're not um considered orthodox Christians and you know in many ways they're considered a cult by many other Christians. Uh they don't believe in the Trinity. Uh they believe the Trinity is three individual gods. They're not NPR is not going to get into those theological details obviously so you know we can't control that but um and she came out as queer okay and basically she left her church because her uh her religion because her religion condemns that okay well so does um orthodox christianity so does uh, orthodox christian protestantism uh catholicism uh does not accept that but you know of course this is npr and npr is a very liberal socialist uh radio and anyway so going on they talk about that a lot of people are going to be unaffiliated there's basically not going to they're not leaving the religion for another religion and they're going to be, you know how it is, spiritual but not religious. They believe in a higher power, whatever that means. Uh, it just means a lot of nothing, technically, because it can mean something or it can mean a lot of nothing. But here's my question. It didn't really get into why, and NPR is not going to get into the why. And since I am a Catholic... And I know for, and I know other people who are Catholic, and I still consider myself a practice. I, I myself am a convert from Islam. I didn't come from a devout Muslim family. All right, and I wasn't raised as a devout Muslim, but I do know enough of the religion to know the differences between Islam and Christianity. And and luckily I I surround myself by friends who are uh who are technically who are practicing Catholics practicing Catholic. My my belief is what's happening is the cause, the Achilles heel, and I call it Achilles heel of of the Catholic faith of the uh, is the clergy, the clergy, 
you know, remember, I think I remember I mentioned in the last episode where this is really talked about, like how he was taught to dismantle a gun to to take it apart. And there was one important one important little mechanism, one important little mechanism that holds it together is a pin. And without that pin, the gun cannot work. It won't fire, it won't do, you know, it won't do what it's supposed to do. And, and I, and I honestly, on a human level, because on a divine level, we know the faith is true because Christ is in charge. But on a human level, that the problem of, of the faith is the clergy. The clergy is the problem. Our leadership, our shepherds, they're the Achilles heel. It's them. So, you know, Eliza Campbell has spent her entire life as a pre as practicing member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. She was born in Utah, a state in which the majority of the residents belong to the church and attend Brigham Young University, a private institution owned and operated by the church. It's part of of your, it's part of your whole professional network, your whole emotional community, she said. Basically, it touches every facet of your life. Then two years ago, after nearly three decades, Campbell left the church. She's one of the growing number of Americans who were raised Christian, but are disaffiliating from the religion. All right, that, the, only, the only crux of the whole thing is the fact that it's, it's called Christian. She, you know, it refers to her her membership in the Church of Jesus Christ Latter Day Saint. It's Mormon, okay, but we're gonna we'll skip that. Okay, she okay. Christianity remains the majority a majority religion in the United States. Um, as it has been as has it been since the country's founding, but on but on the decline. A new study from Pew Research Center shows that America's Christian majority has been shrinking for years, and if recent trends continue, Christians could make up less than half of the U.S. population within a few decades. So we're going we're going the direction of Europe, all right? Where majority when Europe the majority of the great churches are now just museums, except ours won't be museums. Because in the U.S. we don't, you know, you know, we don't, we don't have that kind of history. We don't have these kind of monuments, you know. Maybe, maybe St. Uh, Patrick's Cathedral, probably. The study found that Christians account for about ninety percent of the population fifty years ago, but as as of twenty twenty, the figure has slumped to about sixty four percent. That's quite a drop. That is quite a drop. I don't know where they get these Pew research because I've never, I've never done a Pew research. I've never been asked to uh, these questions. If recent trends switch, uh, switching, changing one's religious affiliation hold, we project that the Christian, the Christian, that Christians could make up between thirty-five and forty-six percent of the U.S. population in twenty seventy. Probably, fa probably less than that. Says, uh, okay, but Stephanie Kramer, the senior researcher who led the study. Hold on. Had to wait for a car with a stereo system pass by. All right, so 
35 to 46% of the U.S. population in 2070. The study modeled for, uh, four scenarios for how religious affiliation could change. In every case, it found a sharp drop in Christianity. All right, there's a graph here, but I'm not going to go into it. While the study does not grapple with the question of why Christians are disaffili uh, disaffiliating from their religion, Kramer said there are some theories that could ex help explain this phenomenon. Some scholars say that it's just an inevitable consequence of development for societies to secularize. Once the, there are strong secular institutions, once people's basic needs are met, there's less need for religion, Kramer said. What do they mean by basic needs are met? What basic needs are being met? What what is it that 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 they're not that they don't bother to say here, what the basic needs are. You know, what your material needs, your social needs. What is it that's being met? Because honestly, um, I don't see people's basic needs are met, being met. I mean, look around us. A lot of people may go to school and achieve, you know, they may get their career or, or the education, but a lot of people don't get, they don't often meet their needs. What needs are there? Many people are not married. They're not, they don't have a family, right? They don't have children. They wind up divorced, maybe, if they do get married. Uh, some have great a lot of depression, a lot of people feel isolated and alone. What basic needs are being met? What basic needs are there are being met? It's you know, I, you know he, he, it didn't say what exactly that meant. Basic needs are met. There's less need for religion, Kramer said. Other people point out that the affiliation really started to drop in the 90s. It may not be a coincidence that this uh, this uh, coincides with the rise of religious right and more association between Christianity and conservative political ideology. Wait a minute. Association between Christianity and the and and the conservative uh, Christianity rise of uh, rise of the religious right and more association between Christianity and conservative political ideology. So when did Christianity was when was Christianity ever associated with the left? What do they mean by the rise of the religious right? What do they mean by um, association between Christianity and conservative political ideology? They just threw that in there and they didn't bother to answer that question. I mean, they didn't bother to like, you know, what about let's say. How about the failure of the religious leaders in the church? How about the fact that uh, our religious leaders are are um, are really disconnected with their with their sheep? How about the fact that the uh, maybe how about maybe maybe the abuse of the uh, the, uh, the sexual abuse crisis maybe is one thing that could be another. They didn't bother to put that in. I'm surprised. Uh, how about the fact that it could be that? Yeah. 
How about the homosexual crisis within the Catholic Church? They didn't bother to put that in. I think I know why. But, you know, they're very good at pointing to these to these failures, to these to these uh, sins of the Catholic Church, but they are good at avoiding certain things that they don't want to say that the clergy is extremely uh, homosexual leaning. There's a lot of things in here that I think they're not they're, you know I mean they're pointing out they're cherry picking, but they're not pointing out to what's obvious the problem is. But they're saying that because of relationship between, um, you know, the relationship between the religious right. Christianity has always been a conservative pro-family religion. Christianity has always been, especially Catholicism, but we can point out, we can be sure that Protestant Christianity is, we can be sure that the Catholic Church is, and I can be sure that the Orthodox Church is. A pro-family, pro-life, you know, pro-conservative marriage, you know, one man, one woman, that we can be sure is true about the Christian religion. But what if it's something also on a deeply... Um, on a deeper level. What if it's the failure? What is the failure of of the leadership? I mean, with Protestants, it's also can be non-denominational, which is non. Again, it falls under the non, you know. And then maybe in this, most cases, maybe the leadership in the in those non-denominational non Christian uh, churches don't point to obvious Christian morality, like abortion. They don't talk about that. Contraception. They don't talk about that. You know, divorce and remarriage. They don't talk about that either. They're good at they're good at focusing the emotional level, like Joe Osteen. You know, he focuses on the emotional positive level, but he doesn't talk about these important moral issues. You know, you, it's very good not to talk about things that the Christian religion does focus on, that the things that make you a Christian, pro-life, pro-family. You know. Not to cohabitate, you know, doctrinal issues such as what is the Trinity, dogma, certain things that are practice and belief. These things are important. Eventually, if you grow in your faith and you start studying your faith and you want to know what the Christian faith is, you're going to come across these things and you're going to wonder, well, my church doesn't match these things. These this this particular non-denominational church does not match this. Maybe you're going to start looking. You know. All right, let's continue. All right. For Campbell, this is the young woman here who. Um, who was a member of the of the, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, a Latter-day Saints member, for Campbell, conflict between the teaching of her faith 
and her own personal identity, personal identity and values were at the core of her decision to leave. For me, especially when I started to come out as queer, it became impossible for me to reconcile this church that was basically admitting that they wanted kids like me dead or suicidal, she said. I decided I had to choose to choose myself and choose my well-being. First of all, why does her sexuality have to become an identity? Since when does sexuality become an identity? Which, you know, I mean, I'm just saying, you notice, you notice this is what they keep doing. All right. They, 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 they come out and say sexuality is your identity. Her, her being queer is an identity. Okay. The, the, the left, the left for, for, for people on the LGBT side, their sexuality is their identity. You never hear heterosexuals saying that. It's always LGBT. It's always people on the homosexual side. They say that. That's 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 their slogan. So okay, fine, all right. That's this is her. Religious unaffiliated can could become the majority, alongside Christian numbers in the U.S. Trending down the Pew study also found that the percentage of people who identify as religious unaffiliated is rising and could one day become a majority. That's where the majority of the movement is going, Kramer said. We don't see a lot of people leaving Christianity for non-Christian religion. Importantly, Kramer said, religious, religiously unaffiliated is not synonymous with atheists, as the term also includes those who identify as agnostic, spiritual, or nothing in, in particular. In the four scenarios that Putin modeled, Americans who were religiously unaffiliated were projected to approach and or overtake Christians in number by 2070. At the same time, the percentage of those following other religions was expected to double. It's almost what I expect. Hassan Tuha, a student at Stanford University, said of the rising numbers of religiously unaffiliated people in the United States. I don't think it's surprising. I think it's a product of modern comforts. I think when life is good, when it's better, you know, you know, religion is just not as important. Tuha was not raised Christian. He spent most of his uh, life as a devout Muslim, but decided four years ago to leave his religion, and he now identifies as atheist. Oh, wow. And here's a photo of the, uh, the, the young man. So, continue. Like Campbell, Tuha's process of turning away from his faith was not just a matter of changing his beliefs. It involved his connecting with the religious community he had been involved with for his entire life. The process of leaving the faith, for me, was kind of torturous, he said. But I look back on my experience and, and leaving the faith as something generally productive and positive. In fact, I say it remains the formative experience in my life and gave me a new sense of direction. So 
I look back on it fondly. All right, so, interesting. This is an interesting article. And I have noticed this because lately, in the last couple of months, I've noticed throughout the summer, the church was empty. My parish at Regina Apache was empty. You know, um, and this, you know, ironically, even with the the synodal path of Pope Francis, you know, it 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 hasn't been bringing people in under the pontificate of Pope Francis. I think this whole thing escalated faster, especially the COVID. It has escalated so much faster. The shutdown has. I think left a lot of people realizing, and even people hearing that uh, parents uh, or the the the, pre, the churches the they didn't allow priests to come over and give last rites. The the doors were closed. You know, streaming the mass online on YouTube. That's that's what they did. It's empty. A lot of empty seats. You know, the occasional maybe uh, ethnic community that's that uh, immigrant community celebrating their their holidays. Uh, uh, you'll hear them every now and then, but it's empty. It's empty. Okay, the pews are empty. No, you, you, they're not doing much. I mean, right now, today, they just celebrated uh, their new catechists for training. People who were trained to teach catechism. And so they're going to be concerned about bringing the numbers in. How many young people are, going to, are they going to get prepared for Easter? Right? So then what happens afterward? Do those kids remain in the church? Do those kids come to Mass? Do the kids skip Mass? What do you do afterward? So you present the numbers to the, to, to the bishop, to the cardinal of the Diocese of Brooklyn and Queens. But do the kids remain in the church? I don't see them. What, you know, why do they keep using the same formula? Is it because it's better not, not to know the truth? How about really getting into the meaning of being Catholic? What about getting into your relationship with God? What about making sure these kids understand the reality of God, that God is real, that Jesus Christ is real? It's fine if you want to use the same, you know, you, you know, what do you call it? The, the catechism, the, the method about what baptism means and, and, and what the creed is saying and what the, yeah, the Eucharist, you've got to teach them that, but you've got to teach them the reality of the faith. 
the reality of the presence of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is real. That Jesus Christ really does, he's real, he's alive, that you can talk to him, that he is, he's, he really is true. And then you gotta, you gotta explain to them, you know, the faith. I mean, going through the, the cramming system, you know, preparing them just before Easter is, you know, a lot of these kids are going to do it because their parents want them to do this, not because they want to do this. You know, and that's fine. That's great that the parents want them this. But guess what? Wanting them to do this, to, to, to go through the process of a catechism, does not necessarily mean that the substance of the faith is at home. Are they praying with their parents? Are they saying the rosary? Is the reality of faith being lived at home? Are they practicing the faith? Is the faith true at home? And is the are, are the children are the children living the faith, living the reality? Because Guess what? What they practice at home and then they got to go out and face a world where there's drugs, there's pressure for sexual for sexual sexuality. They're they're facing an atheistic world outside, a, a non-Christian culture outside. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. You know, there's a big difference. Let's face it. One home practicing the faith, one kid at home practicing the faith. Maybe you're lucky. You're lucky if you have your, you know, your parents today read the Bible, praying the rosary. Is the faith real at home? Is the parents living the faith? Or is it just cultural Catholicism? I'm sorry, but if, the, if that isn't true, you know, I mean, I just went through uh, the book by Nabil Qureshi. God bless him. He was a Pakistani young Muslim. He grew up in a devout Muslim home where they actually practiced the Salat, the prayer. They even taught him how to lead the family in prayer. He used to lead his mom and sister in Salat. They used to do, they used to get up early in the morning and ha put out the sajada. The sajada is the prayer rug. And they used to face towards Mecca. They used to practice the abolition, the washing. And, and, and he would lead his grandmother or grandfather or mom and sister, even dad. He would lead them in prayer. And he grew up that way. And he practiced reading the Quran. You know, they didn't read. He was, he was Pakistani. Arabic was not the language, but he knew how to recite Practically in perfect Arabic, the words, a lot of the words his mom used, I've heard my pa my grandparents, we uh, you know, you know, uh, you know, blessed be God or something like that, you know, th things like that. And then he learned and he was and he was a little bit of an asshole in a sense that because he 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 loved trashing. And I'm sorry I used that word, but I had to. He used to love trashing other people's uh, break up, you know, Christians challenge them. 
Because a lot of Christians didn't have the tools to answer him back. And this is what I'm saying. They didn't have the tools. His prejudice against Christianity, and I'll talk about another podcast, was cultural. His understanding, like what he believed, the sexuality, his, his Muslims, what Muslims taught, what Muslims believe. They see the promiscuity. They see the sexual perversion. They see the, the drug use, the alcohol use, the, the disrespect as Christian culture. They could not separate secularism from, from the Christian faith. And in many cases, you could say they're right to some extent because it is a Christian West. But all those particular problems, all those particular things also is a result showing you the symptoms of the problem of the Christian faith. Catholics love the identity of being Catholic. They just don't want the substance of being Catholic. And this is my problem with the catechism program. Don't wear your, your faith on your sleeve. Don't be too Catholic. Don't be too Catholic. And that's a problem because the problem is it's the same thing with our clergy. This is the problem with the clergy. You see that with, you know, the Cardinal of Washington, D.C. Right? You know, he doesn't stop Nancy Pelosi from receiving communion. Nobody wants to stop Joe Biden from receiving communion. Right? He's he, he's a pro-abortionist president. He's a pro-homosexual president. And he's still receiving holy communion. So when you have when you have people seeing this, why the hell do they care if they want to remain in the church? Because when you when, when you have to understand something, you want something to be real. You want a reason to believe. You want to know that there's a truth that you can stand on that's absolutely different than the world. Why would you want to be part of a church that looks no different than the freaking world? Right? All you need now, the document that came out, because when Nancy Pelosi, I mean, Walton Gregory didn't want to stop Joe Biden from receiving communion. He told all his priests, if Joe Biden shows to your parish within the, the, the diocese of Washington, D.C., don't stop him from receiving communion. <laughs> okay. So then, what's the big deal? Right? What is truth? What is there what 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 is there to be to hold on to? Nancy Pelosi goes to the Vatican, she has a, a meeting with Pope Francis, and then she receives Holy Communion afterward. And there's a document that says that all you need is faith, which is true. But what about the obedience of faith? What about Canon 9.15? I believe it is. 
that says you, that a politician cannot receive Holy Communion if they support abortion. It's because it's a public known sin. Joe Biden's is a public known sin. Okay. So what? So what is there? If if this is if this is how you're going to treat it, why does anybody want to remain in the church? And in the process, you're also causing a rift because you're causing these other people in the Catholic faith to go run into um, uh, traditional Latin Mass, and they're becoming a cult all on their own. Because, yeah, I mean, let's face it; it's true. Okay, I'm sure a lot of them are, are are good people, but you're causing a rift. You're causing a division. Because now they think they're the only ones that are true. And meanwhile, you're trying to defend the Novus Ordo, and guess what? You're also causing you're also gutting yourself out because you're causing a lot of people to think, ah, you know what? This this whole thing is full of crap. I'm not gonna be associated with any church. These these people these people are hypocrites. Because if this is what the church believes, then I don't really need the church. Because I can believe this. I can I can believe all this secular stuff. I don't need the church to believe in this stuff. Because that's exactly what's going to happen. Because really, technically, why bother get up Sunday morning when you can remain in bed? Right? Why waste the hour to, to get up Sunday morning? You know, especially if you can watch mass on TV, on YouTube, really. It's, 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 it, they're wasting their time. They're, they're delusional. This is just them trying to save, to keep the job for themselves. That's all. You got to give them a reason. You got to make it a, a, a real point of what it means to be Christian. I have to say, listening to Nabil Qureshi, I, I heard, listen to the Audible account. I'm going to get the book. But I listened to the audible reading. I I have to say, with all honesty, it made me fall in love with Jesus Christ even more. But at the same time, I want to do something to save the Catholic faith. I want the Catholic faith to be saved. I want people to believe it, but it's hard to get people to remain Catholic when the weak mechanism, the, the Achilles heel is the clergy. Because the clergy is the one in the boat and they're supposed to be the apostles. I'm doing my part by doing a podcast and I'll continue to do it. But I can't do it. it, it it's going to be impossible to, to, to fix this. When, when you got leadership. Like Pope Francis. Who has this hands on. Atti hands off attitude. And thinks that it, the problem will solve itself. That's just being Pontius Pilate. Washing your hands off of it. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't agree with that. And then having someone like James Martin running around spreading seeds of dissent. Because I don't understand why he wants to remain in the church and why he thinks he thinks he can, you know, he, you know, that, that he could he could recreate the church in the you know with, with the image of homosexuality and gay marriage. Because why why would they why would they want to get up in the morning?
Why would anybody want to be involved? They can be gay without without the church. They don't need the church to be gay. They don't even need the church to have its blessing. Meanwhile, you got the, 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 the clergy in, in Germany, right? Who had a vote, a secret ballot vote, and then they found out there's a lot of them that don't that don't want to be involved with gay marriages, and then they have an open ballot vote. And a lot of them folded like a deck of cards. They they, they fell down like Jenga. You know, you know that game Jenga where they you know you just pull the right the right thing and it falls off. It's just ridiculous. It's stupid. You can't this is not gonna work. By trying to conform the church to the world, it's not going to work. They don't need you. They don't need they don't need the church to be gay, to be happily gay. They don't need it. And they don't need you. Okay? They don't need you to be spiritual. They don't need you to be to be to be happy in their sin. Just just get out of it. Realize that the church has to be something above the world. It has to be something greater. It's, that's why it's up there on Calvary. It's up there on the on the uh, on the upper room because it's supposed to be beyond it. They don't need you. Okay, they don't. When people are in their sin, they don't want the church. But what they do want, they want the church to be something above and beyond. That's why someone like Shia LaBeouf, which I got to do a podcast on, he he said that the Latin Mass, and and I, and I respect him for this one, and I'm not against the Latin Mass, but what I'm against is the Latin Mass becoming a cult on its own. He, he doesn't have to understand anything uh, to fall in love with something beautiful he doesn't have to understand it and that's true because the mass is something that is out out of worldly beautiful it is something you find that is beyond comprehension that you want to preserve it that you love it Beauty is something above and beyond. When you find it, especially like Jesus Christ, the Catholic faith, it is above and beyond it. It 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 makes you want to be alive. You are alive because it makes you alive. Christ makes you alive. You don't need the world. And you don't need to understand it fully. That's why it's the mystery of faith. It should attract you. It should not look like a discotheque. All right? It should not look like a theme park. It doesn't have to look like a, a, a clown, a circus. Okay? It should be something above and beyond, beyond words. 
That's what the mass is, and that's what it feels like when you, when you, when you go, when you go to a beautiful mass. And the music should take you into another world. It's like you entered the throne room of God in heaven, and you don't want to leave it. That's what the mass should be. And these guys, these priests, these leftovers of the baby boom generation, and I'm going to say it, yes, a lot of them are. I think, honestly, just don't get it. And they'll never get it. That's why they're always trying new sales pitches. A bubble, I mean, there was one mass, what Taylor Marshall show where this guy was making bubbles. Another one where they literally, like, they have, like, discotheque flashlights and they're playing 70s music. And, and another one where you see a guy go on the beach, a priest on the beach, bare-chested with a float, a, a balloon float as, as, as the altar. Right? Do we need to see liturgical dances? Do we need to see... Do we need to have the guitars? No. You should make it as otherworldly as possible beyond anything. Like you entered another world where the sacred, the human and the sacred or the divine just grabbed you. That's why John, when he says he entered the throne room, throne, the throne room of heaven... Or Isaiah was pulled into the temple and he saw the Almighty sitting on the throne and it was beyond comprehension. That's what you need. You don't need the you don't need the earthly crap. And this these guys just don't get it. And the only way we're gonna fix it if this generation is wiped away, gone clean. Because really, right now we're in the Babylonian captivity. That's what we are in. We're in a Babylonian captivity. We're like 430 years trapped under Pharaoh. And we need we need a deliverer to take us out and, and we need to break the chains of this generation that's holding us back. Because the, the younger generation, the younger generation Catholics who, who are fell in love with the mass, and I believe that the priests, the young priests in that, in, in, in the conservative young priests right now who are trying very hard to hold on are going are going to have to wait till this generation passes away you know till the lord just takes them all away because we're not we're not going to be free i'm sorry we're not going to be free we're not going to be able to celebrate the mass to this generation till the last of them have taken their breath and the lord takes them takes them away Okay, that's the only way. I'm sorry, but that's true. This is the only way. All right, I'm going to end it here. And I'll probably come back with another one soon. Okay, God bless.